This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hi, welcome to Roar to Win. This is Michelle Nagel your host, and today I am interviewing Annette Comer, who is a global leadership mentor. And she wants to know, her questions are, are you tired of feeling ignored, tuned out, and misunderstood? So we're gonna learn from her and discover how you might be sabotaging your own success, what to do to be different, to be seen, heard, and respected for the talented, smart, and experienced woman you are. It's a disservice to the world if you're not recognized for the competent, generous, and disciplined leader that you are. So Annette is the best-selling author and founder of the world's greatest women academy and recipient of the coveted Women of the Year Award from the National Association of Professional Women. Annette Comer, global leadership mentor, teaches driven women how to become competent, generous, and disciplined leaders of today and tomorrow. Her no-nonsense approach is rich with knowledge from science-based research studies, as well as her own playbook across a variety of businesses. Her clients become better versions of themselves as they take their careers to the next level. According to best-selling author Brian Tracy, what Annette teaches is practically proven and field-tested with people all over the world. She is truly unique in all aspects. So welcome, Annette. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Well, I am really looking forward to this conversation that we're going to have. Um, I think that having Brian Tracy say that you are unique puts you in a completely different category than everybody else. And um, I have noticed that there's a tendency for people to get a little bit jaded when it comes to coaching or somebody to help them move forward in their business because there's getting to be quite a lot of them on the internet. So having that kind of a, an endorsement is really powerful. So you have a best-selling book. Do you want to tell us about that, please? Uh, yes, I sure will. Uh, it's called Rescue Me, How to Save Yourself and Your Sanity When Things Go Wrong. And it's a true story. Uh, it was uh, written a few years back, and it's based on a business that my brother and I owned. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. And the story is about what we did to turn things around while still trying to maintain a relationship with a family member. Mm -hmm. And um, I won't tell you how it ends, but it, it's, quite, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a journey. And, um, and it was very well received by entrepreneurs and professionals alike. Yeah, especially from the relationship point of view, that's really, you know, we don't really talk about that quite as much. So again, the book is Rescue Me, How to Save Yourself and Your Sanity When Things Go Wrong. Yeah, and any entrepreneur listening definitely ought to pick it up because it's full of so much wisdom, so many things that, that happen to every entrepreneur that we, most of us don't talk about because we're embarrassed. We think, it, we think we're the only one that's dug ourselves into these kind of holes or had mm -hmm. you know, things go wrong, mm -hmm. and, um, and you'll be able to see how I uh, maneuvered those rough waters and how it's even rougher when you're in business with uh, a family member, and it just changes the dynamics even further. It's hard to fire a family member. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, how is it that um, when something goes wrong in our business, we immediately think that it's our fault. 
if we're in a partnership. It's always our fault. Why do we go there first? Do you know? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's different for men and women, Michelle. Um, men don't necessarily tend to go there as quickly. Women do tend to go there as quickly. Uh, it's the, it's the, the stats that you and I talked about in a private conversation before we were together today about how, um, you know, if something goes wrong, men say, well, you know, what's wrong with the system or what's, what did somebody else do? And a woman will immediately go to, well, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And, and that never serves us well, mm-hmm. but it's certainly, and so if, you know, for the women entrepreneurs out there, they are, uh, they have to really be careful of that. And that's one of the things we really dig into in our mindset training that we do in the uh, World's Greatest Women Academy is uh, we talk about how do you train your mind for winning risk and endurance? Mm-hmm. Because as you need those. So tell us about the World's Greatest Women Academy. Well, it came about, um, it came about kind of in a strange way. Um, I had, a, I had an event four years ago, and it was called the Warrior Women Project. And I had women from all over the world come, and mm-hmm. we, the whole focus of it was the five pillars of performance mm-hmm. uh, aimed at, at female leaders. And from that, um, I followed these women for, a number, for the next two years, and kind of as a case study to see had they transformed, what had happened in their lives, you know, had their businesses taken off, had they made just little bumps, or had they made big leaps, or what had happened. And what I found is incredible transformations, 40% increase in income, businesses doubling, tripling, all kinds of amazing statistics. But what came of even more importantly is two years later, I got all these emails from these people that attended that and said, okay, you took us from point A to point B, now you got to take us to the next leap. And we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. But we know that we're, we're stuck now. We can't, we don't know how to get to the next level. Right. So it put me on a journey of saying, okay, what do women now need to, to bounce up to another whole level to either have that million dollar plus business or to be at, you know, get to the top ranks, the C-suite in their, their corporate careers. What do they need to bridge those two uh, arenas? And so the first place I started looking was for my own playbook. Uh, one of the businesses that I have is I coach uh, high-end executives around the world. And, mm-hmm. and many of these executives are running billion dollar plus businesses. And of these people I coach, 80% are men and 20% are women. Mm -hmm. So I get an interesting viewpoint of what men are doing really well and where women are sabotaging themselves and where women are doing things well that men aren't doing so well. But it's more, uh, as you well know, you know, we only have what 4.8% of CEOs in in the U.S. are are, um, are men, only 2% of businesses that, uh, that women own are over a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 2.3% women get venture capital money. I mean, it's the horrible numbers. And so I started thinking about, okay, what are we doing? What are, what are women missing? We've mm-hmm. been talking about, you know, you and I are at a point in our life where we've heard this empowerment thing for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And if you look at the stats, not much has changed. And so anyway, from that, I spent a year putting together, what is it that women are missing? Where are they lacking that men excel? Mm-hmm. that pulled together uh, five key skills that we teach uh, in the academy. And why is this so important? Why does the skills, tools, and environment that a woman needs to be heard and respected, why is that important? Well, it's important for several reasons, I guess. It's important in different arenas. For me personally, it's important 
because um, I'm at a point in my life where I look back and I hear women that are 30 years my junior struggling with the same things that I struggled with. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh my gosh, have we made no more progress than that? And then on a, on a more um, uh, global front, it, it disturbs me because we certainly have plenty of problems in the world and in our own country. And yet we're only tapping on 50% of the population of leaders to bring us out of this. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty much ignoring and, and, and not utilizing the skills of the other 50% of the population, which are better educated, have been shown to bring financial numbers stronger to companies. I mean, there's all kinds of pluses. Uh, they run better teams. They run the uh, employee uh, uh, re- retention is better with women leaders, and but yet somehow that's not happening. We're 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 sabotaging ourselves, mm-hmm. and we keep well, waiting for someone else to empower us. And it's and guess what? It's not going to happen. Right. Um, women have a, the ability to multitask much greater than men. They've shown that, that men can't do it as well as women do. Is that a beneficial thing in leadership positions? Um, you know, I guess I have a, I have a probably different viewpoint on mm-hmm. multitasking than, than many others do. Uh, yes, women are better at multitasking. Uh, in fact, some women wear it as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it hurts them. I think they sabotage themselves when they do it. I think it's great that they can juggle lots of things, mm-hmm. but I also think that in their ability to do that, they lose the ability to grab onto something and focus it and carry it all the way to the end. They get distracted much more easily. Have you heard of continuous partial attention deficit disorder? I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. Is that what we're <laughs> kind of alluding to here? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> We constantly, instead of focusing on one task and following it all the way through to completion, we have our fingers in a whole bunch of different pots and we are unable to give any of them our proper and complete attention because it's split into so many different little facets. You're exactly right, Michelle. And I'll tell you, if um, there's a little trick that I teach in, in, um, in one of my other uh, courses that I teach that I'd love to share with your audience today. They can do right now to help them kind of get a handle on that. Is that okay for me to share that? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay. All right. So one of the things um, that I, I teach um, my executives to do, and, and I do it myself, is that to have a timer in your office and set your timer for 50 minutes. And for 50 minutes, focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. So decide before you sit down and do that. And then at 10 minutes, at that 50 minute when it goes off, take a 10 minute break. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to make some phone calls, you want to return some things, you want to flip to a magazine, you want to check on the children, you're going to go, whatever it is that other things that are on your list. And then when you come back, set it again for 50 minutes and stay focused on that one thing. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're amazed at how much you don't get that disorder that you talked about. Mm-hmm. start to come in because you've given yourself permission to have that 10 minutes to go check on these other floaters that are out there that can grab your attention. But you have committed to yourself. You're going to take that 50 minutes and stay focused on whatever project that is or whatever item that you're needing to address, whatever you've got on your, I mean, that's just one little trick, but it's, it's used by a lot of executives and, mm-hmm. um, and it really works. It's a, yeah. real Sounds great. And I just made myself a note to make sure I, that I do that too. Thank you. <laughs> so how did you become so passionate about this specific topic? 
Well, I think, I think my own personal journey has made that more um, the case. Um, you know, I spent the first 20 years of my working life in a corporate setting. Uh, my undergrad is in mechanical engineering. So there has been a very, it was a very male dominated industry. I was usually the only woman in the meetings, only woman in whatever it was. Mm -hmm. so I just had that conversation with my son, if I may interrupt. My son is um, studying mechanical engineering and I asked him how many girls there were in the classes. And he said that there weren't any. And I asked, I said, why do you think that is? And the reason is because for many people, it's not that the interest is not there. It's that it is so male dominated that it's, you have to fight for everything, every step of the way. Was that your experience? Uh, that was my experience. Yes. Yes. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was, it was really interesting because during the early years, um, you know, when you come out of school, you, you're so um, naive about so much, you know, you're fooled with so much uh, visions that the world is not the way people are telling you it is mm -hmm. and then you get into the real world and you find out that you get discounted you get ignored you get um you get told things like you know you shouldn't be out on the production floor you sh you you know you shouldn't smell good i mean <laughs> i mean i mean weird things you know you look yeah like, what and uh, and all those came into play so during that time um so in, so in that arena i was with all men mm -hmm. and um I moved through the organization in spite of being a woman. I, I moved into to several leadership roles, ran departments that had 40, 50 men. So I, I moved to the organization um, and I was tagged as one of the top performers in the company. But at the same time, I started, I had this entrepreneur itch. So I started business on the outside. I, I opened a retail storefront, mm -hmm. a national franchise. And in that business, I had all women working for me. Yeah. Okay. And I had uh, all women customers. Mm -hmm. So it was different as night and day from what I was doing during my day and then what I was doing in my night and weekend gigs. Mm -hmm. And um, then I ended up expanding and had, having two storefronts and, you know, ended up doing, just continuing to expand. And then I hit a point in my corporate career where um, it was real interesting. I, um, I had one of my employees bring uh, a loaded gun into the workplace mm -hmm. and obsessed on, had obsessed on me. And, um, Corporate management, which was all male, handled it horribly. They didn't know what to do with it. They mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with this woman that was in this situation. And so their, their handling of it was basically they went into a protectivism type situation where they were thinking, how can we protect ourselves so she didn't sue us, this and that. Right. And, um, so I ended up leaving corporate then and went 100% in the entrepreneur space. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, so regardless of the trauma that you might have been experiencing, having this employee bring a gun a loaded gun because he was obsessing with you their concern was to cover their butts yes and it was real interesting and and, and you know i think that you'd say okay well that wouldn't happen today it happens. oh yes it would <laughs> it happens that happens all the time michelle all the time yeah so in this case and again you know i wasn't at that time i wasn't um you know i wasn't a 20 year old woman I mean, I was, I was 40 years old at this point in my career. So I'd been working for you know, 18, 19 years in the corporate space. And when I was invited to the corporate office after this had happened, my naiveness thought that they were inviting me in to, to because uh, I was noticed as a high performer. I'd been on the fast track. They were inviting me in to, to make sure I was okay and to, and to see how they could support me. Well, wrong. <laughs> you know, they they had set up a, a situation of intimidation to try to drill me on how could I let this happen? What had I done to make this happen? Uh, you know, had I put up some kind of signals that made this employee 
obsessed. Oh, you encouraged him. Yes. 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 Wow. And and so when I left that, I, um, I, you know, I just, I, I, after I I was, I held myself together. But when I left, I remember crying. I, I cried so hard going back to the airport. I was driving. I pulled off of the interstate and thought, what the heck just happened to me? And I realized I had experienced intimidation at the utmost level. So mm-hmm. I think that was the beginning of this passion of making sure that women aren't naive about situations and that they get the skills to be able to play in that arena so that they can win, whether it's in the entrepreneur space or the, the corporate space. Wow. So the way they handled it is, is basically to sexually harass you. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's but, you know, horrific. <laughs> It is. So maybe that's why, maybe that's led to a little passion here. What do you think? <laughs> just, yeah, just a little bit. Um, so are, are we having more women leaders in a corporate world or what are the stats on that? How is that working? Uh, well, it's interesting. There are, there are more leaders moving into the middle management positions, but they're not getting beyond that. Mm-hmm. And in some sectors, we're actually losing them. Uh, in the financial sector, for example, and the whole financial investment, banking, all of that, uh, in the last uh, decade, there has been a major decline mm-hmm. of women in management roles, which is really kind of frightening when you think about it, because you think we're moving along and we're so progressive. Uh, in the CEO space, if you look at getting up to the top levels, in the last three years, there's actually been a decline mm-hmm. in women in those levels that we were at 5.4 or 5.3%, and we've lost like three or four percentage points of that. And then you say, okay, why is that? Um, and I think there's several reasons. I think that, uh, I think it's very frustrating for women because they really don't know how to play the game. They don't know. Nobody, nobody tells them. I think it's confusing for men. I think everybody's confused. I think mm-hmm. it's just a confusing mess. The communication is a real issue. We, I spend a lot of time working with executives on that, uh, learning how to flex their communication styles because it was a real secret for me in terms of making it me successful in, in my both adventures, whether it was in my corporate career or my uh, entrepreneur endeavor. And mm-hmm. then some of the other skills that we teach in the academy, I think are real key to changing some of those stats. So, yeah, we got to do better, Michelle. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. So it's just because as you said, this has been, you've been in the working in this arena for 30 years and the women that you know that are just beginning are fighting the same thing that you fought. Yes. And it's why aren't we making this progress? Um, yes. I mean, it's, um, I'm not certain that we can just say it's because we're fighting against the good old boy club because a lot of it does, is the women's mindset. What is your thought on that sometimes a woman will set that up because of her mindset, because of the way she goes into it without the confidence and without the, um, without, the trust in her own belief, I mean, in her own skills and going in without that confidence then makes it so that they see themselves as more powerful and therefore they can continue the pattern. Oh, I think it's a very, very much plays into that. Uh, When I, I I did some um, research and looked at some studies just in the last few months and uh, on that in terms of how does confidence play into to women and we, you know, we know it does and all that, but you think women that are at these high levels, you know, they, they've got that down pat. They don't have any problems with their confidence. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the research and you look at some interviews that are done by top level women, top level athletes, top level CEOs, 
they have the same conversation that we have, we meaning the average gal has mm-hmm. in her head and things like, uh, do I deserve it? Am I good enough? Those kinds of conversations. Now, the difference with them is that they have developed some tools and some skills to beat through that. They recognize it, but they discount it. They don't dwell on it. But, mm-hmm. but most women get into their head and dwell on it. Um, they, there's, there's five, you know, I was telling you about that, these skills that I had identified that, that's holding women back. And if you allow me, I'd like to just mention those real quick because I'd like for the listeners to think about it in their own situation. Mm-hmm. That'd be so great. Where, where are they? Where are they on the skill level on these things? So, mm-hmm. so the first thing is <clears throat> that I work with women and teach them in this academy is uh, how to leverage their intuition. Okay, so we, you know, if you talk to most leaders, they'll recognize that they have uh, an intuitive side to them that they should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But what happens with difference between men and women is men will leverage it. Even though women are better at recognizing their intuition and paying attention to it, mm-hmm. what happens with women is they get into their head. Mm-hmm. So instead of acting, they get into their head and they think about it and they weigh the pros and cons. And by the time they go all through this process, that intuition idea is it's gone. If you don't get it within 37 seconds, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So they, they completely miss opportunities because of that. doesn't mm-hmm. happen with men. Mm-hmm. Second one is um, something I call mind gaming. And it's, you know, men for a variety of reasons, we don't have time to talk about today, but they are, they are much more in their mindset um, of, of looking at risk and winning and for endurance. Mm-hmm. And when women don't have some, some mechanism, whether it's models or, or exercises or whatever to develop those, we use models to help shape that in, in the academy. Mm-hmm. But when they don't have those, what happens, and this is what I see happen with a lot of executives, they tune out, stress out, or burn out. Mm-hmm. Third one is conversation, uh, mastering conversational style. Uh, we women talk to others, men, like we talk to our other women in our life. Mm-hmm. Bad mistake. You say, well, why don't we why do we have to flex our style as opposed to men flexing their style? Well, the one in power is the one that chooses the communication style. And unfortunately, until we get more of us in power, we're the one that has to flex the style and learn how to play that game to be heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the fourth one, the fourth one is something called your personal radar system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not too good at assessing what's happening all around us. Men are particularly good at it. So we miss cues and we have things happen where we, situations arise and we'll say, well, how, I thought I had that promotion buttoned up or I thought I had that business deal. How did that slip away from me? And mm-hmm. it just, we don't even see it. And then the last one is executive presence. Uh, women are not tuned in to what kind of vibes they're giving off. Mm-hmm. Um, men pay more attention to that because they're, they're always posturing. They're always positioning and women are, oblivious to that most of the time they think executive presence is how they look you know their hair is done nice and their nails done nice and that kind of thing certainly part of the picture but it's so much more than that that's interesting because oftentimes we think of men as being oblivious and and here you're saying that the women are often oblivious Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting um switch on that to have that look at it that way so when a woman dwells on um not being good enough or worrying about what somebody else thinks about them all the time and they dwell on that then they're building a new neural pathway right absolutely and what what happens when they do that well if you um when you 
it, it, several things happen. One is when you build that neural pathway, uh, that tends to be the default place that you go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, be, it tends to become a burned in CD that plays in your subconscious. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, which is it's something that's, uh, that I learned from my, some of my psychiatrist friends when they were having this discussion about these neural pathways and all this. They were telling me that, and this, is, this shocked me. They said, do you realize that what you do, that only 10% of what you do is controlled by your conscious mind? Mm-hmm. And 90% is your subconscious. Right. And I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, you know, you think you go through the day and you're in control of things and you're totally aware of what you're doing and you can change this and change that. And in reality, that tape that's burned back in your head, it's playing in the subconscious level. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a point of real self-awareness for me and should be for others that it, you have to be so careful what's programmed into that other part, these neural pathways you're talking about, mm-hmm. because those things play and dictate your behavior in ways that you just don't even realize how you, be, how you right. behave and how you show up and how you speak and what you believe. And that's the difference between a conscious and an unconscious leader. A conscious leader is aware of what the programming is and they're aware of what their triggers are. Or if a trigger shows up that they weren't expecting, they have enough presence of mind to go, oh, and notice it so that they can address it later. Right. Exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, so you teach women to know what they don't know. Can you talk about that a little bit? Certainly. Um, I think when women, depending on where they are in their business or in their career, they will tend to, um, they will tend to fall back and rely on their success of what's worked in the past. Mm-hmm. But for for anyone that's, that's driven and that is trying to be more and have more and do more there, you hit plateaus. Mm-hmm. And when you hit these plateaus, you have to change, change mm-hmm. something. You have to grow some skill. You have to address something, whatever it is, whether it's your marketing, your, your ability to evaluate what's happening around you, whatever. And the unfortunate part is that so often, particularly for women, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know, what's holding them back or sabotaging them from going to the next step. They just don't know. They don't even know. I find that when women come to me, they know what they want. They know they're not there, but they don't know where, they don't know what the disconnect is. So mm-hmm. they don't even know. So I'll, I'll say, what do you need help with? Well, they don't even know what to ask because they don't know what they mm-hmm. don't know. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I really appreciate the way that you, that you express that because um, <laughs> it, in my case, I've had people ask me that is how can I help you? And I go, uh, cause I, I don't know, but obviously I need help with something. So yeah, that's really great. So, um, we're going to take a small break and then, uh, come back and listen to the rest of the conversation that I'm having with Annette Comer. She's the um, founder of the world's greatest women Academy and she's got a great tips and we'll be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. 
My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win, and we are interviewing Annette Comer today, who's the founder of the World's Greatest Women Academy and recipient of the coveted Women of the Year Award from the National Association of Professional Women. So, Annette, I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. And what would you say is the biggest mistake women make when it comes to being recognized for their talent and contributions? Um, Michelle, I would say the biggest one I see uh, in research studies supported is their communication style. Um, they, as I alluded to a little bit earlier in our conversation, they tend to communicate with um, men the same way they communicate with women. Mm-hmm. Or, or, and you don't see this very often, they try to be so much like the men, and you've seen women try to do this, they try to mail up, right? the term that I use. They, uh, they can't communicate, and then they try to communicate to women the same way they're talking to the men. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my own career experience, that's where I, that's where I, that's how I learned this because that's exactly what was happening to me. I had 40 some men working for me in a corporate setting and they would do anything I asked them to do. I mean, they were just amazing. And then I started these retail storefronts on the side that had all women working for me. And it was like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't get it. What am I doing wrong? And for me, the clue came when I hired a linguist. I had a coach, a linguist okay. coach. Mm-hmm. And for those listening that don't know what that is, it's basically someone that studies communication for a living. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, she just opened my eyes. And when she showed me how men communicate differently than women, how it starts when they're little kids, like two and three and four years old, mm-hmm. and uh, why you know, the whole purpose for conversation is different, the words that are used are different. And then, I, I mean, I started changing my communication style, whether I was talking with men versus women. And for me, everything changed. I mean, everything changed. The corporate ladder, I went up quicker. I got recognized. I got heard. I got respected. I got my made more money in mm-hmm. my entrepreneur space. Uh, women stayed with me 10, 15 years. My profits tripled because I didn't have a revolving door anymore. And uh, so, when, so for me, I'd say as I've moved through coaching uh, executives and stuff, I still see that piece that probably is the number one sabotager and the, the number place of struggle. So do they need to learn like two different languages? They don't necessarily need to learn two different languages as they need to understand uh, the mistakes they're making and how they're interpreted. And um, let me just give you, let me give you one example. Okay. Okay. So um, one of the things I'll give you two examples. Let's get, let's get two. All right. So one example is, um, you know, women are tend to be indirect with their communication. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they when they ask for it, they hint at things, whether it's something at work, whether it's something with the employees, whether it's something in a relationship with the spouse or the children, and then they don't understand why nothing happens. 
Okay. So if it's men they're hinting to, which in many cases it is, most cases it is, then men look at that as they view that as a woman doesn't have confidence in herself. Hmm. And, and that she's not self-assured and she doesn't know what she wants. And so that gives all the wrong vibes off. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't serve her well at all. Um, and, and so there's ways that they can, you can change that conversation to be direct without, and so, so when I ask women, you know, uh, what do you worry about? Why aren't you being direct? Well, what do you think the first thing they say is? Take a guess. Uh they don't want to be perceived as pushy pushy they don't want to be you know, pushy they don't want to be the word i always hear i don't want to come across as a bitch mm -hmm. okay and, and 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 we can all if women that are listening we can all say mm, yeah that's that's not a complimentary call somebody calls me that doesn't sound like i'm being effective as a leader right so um so there's ways so, so I, I teach women ways that they can come across being direct without threatening the male way of conversation because men communicate for um, uh, their, for competitiveness, uh, for one-upsmanship, uh, position, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Women communicate for connectiveness. Mm -hmm. So they, connect, they communicate to be intimate and connect with others, to be seen as the same. So if you think about those two and you realize how it comes across in a direct or indirect situation, you can see there's a real there's a real conflict there and the perception is very, very much off. Okay. So that's one. And we won't, we don't have time today to talk about what they should and shouldn't do. But anyway, the, sec <laughs> the second one that I want to share, and I want, I want your listeners to pay attention to this over the next week, pay attention to how often women say, I'm sorry. Ah, uh, yes. I've because heard what this happens when women, women do it 10 times every one time a man does it, mm -hmm. they'll say, I'm sorry for the most ridiculous things. And, and when they do that, what happens in the male perspective, they see it as a put down. They see as a woman putting herself down. Okay. So think about that. If you're being considered for a big loan or a promotion, uh, a, a, you know, respect on a board, a community board you're on, whatever it is, when you, that, I, I'm sorry, comes out of your mouth, it, they immediately, well, you know, she's putting herself down. She, she's not confident. She's you know, and so when they, and thinking about from them, from a communication standpoint, think about for a man, everything is about competitive one-ups, you know, respect, precision. And when you don't hear them say, I'm sorry, they would never say, I'm sorry in, mm -hmm. in a male situation or working relationship, that just wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. So, so it's just little things like that, that just really make us uh, come across as uh, uh, not, not serious about our work. Uh, insecure, um, not competent, not, certainly not the way we're trying to come across. <laughs> right. And, and sometimes because there is that, that underlying sexual thing going on there too, if a woman does not come across as direct and make her request direct, but uh, comes across using the, um, the language that is, I want to connect and be closer to you, then it can be read wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Very good point. And you're and you can see how that just spirals out of control when just anything. I mean, just sends the whole wrong message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So how does how does this kind of communication difficulty that they have impact their ability to be resilient and optimistic? Well, well, think about that. Let's play that out a little bit. So if you are a woman and you don't know 
that you even need to flex your style and you don't know what mistakes you're making and you are smart and you're talented and you work hard and you think you're communicating on target and in reality you're, you're sending all the wrong signals, then it shakes your confidence, <clears throat> which shakes your optimism because you think, well, I, you know, I, I, you start to come down on yourself. Mm-hmm. And then depending on, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on what kind of uh, resiliency skills that you have put in place or, or skills you develop to be able to flex those situations and find out what you're doing wrong, then it, it, you, you, you spiral. You get, off, you get off track and you step out of what you've spent your whole life working toward, whether it's been a management position. You just, you just check out is what mm-hmm. happens. You check out. Yeah. So you aren't resilient and you aren't, op- and you aren't optimistic. You just check out. And yeah. See, and, and the stats support that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's um, one of the things that I've, I've recently understood is that we talk about burnout and it's a, a very um, common term, but what burnout really means is the loss of passion for whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, ma'am. And so it sounds like that's what you're describing that, that happens if a woman is not resilient and have, and doesn't have her communication skills well learned. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, um, and, and think about it. if you step back and look at the, the big picture, Michelle, if you look at what's happened in, in, in the U S in the last 20 years with all these empowerment things and all these things that certainly I was a part of early in my career and you, you perhaps were as well. Um, and you say, well, why hasn't that moved the needle? Well, if, if all these other things are under underlying currents of communication and some of these other skills I've talked about, think how confusing it is for the men as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't know what, they don't know what to do to help. They don't know, they don't understand. They don't have a clue what to do. So it becomes this muddy water that neither males or females know how to maneuver. They don't even know how to build a bridge across this, this big ocean. Mm-hmm. And, um, so is this some of the things that you were learning while you were in this business with your brother? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes you learn things quicker than to have a couple million dollars on the line. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We learned a bunch of that stuff. Yes. And, and, um, you know, it's funny because some of the most painful experiences we have teach us some of the most memorable things, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they do. I don't know why school has to be so darn painful, but yep. Yeah. And the more driven we are, it seems like the more we, that's the way it turns out. (laughs) We don't give up. We keep, we keep trucking along and keep pushing our heads forward. Yes. So you said that the one in power gets to choose the style of communication and uh, that men hold most of the power in business. So that puts a woman in a very difficult position. Um, how does she navigate that of, of having her own confidence and being who she is and, and moving her career forward, but she has to communicate in the style that the person in power over her has, has already chosen? Well, I think a lot of it comes, uh, how she maneuvers that and doesn't lose herself in the midst of that is by uh, understanding the conversational styles of, of different people, men versus women, for example. Mm-hmm. And once you, know, once you come from a place of knowledge and understanding, then it's easier to maneuver. You're, you're not, it's kind of like, uh, like going out and driving. If you have a GPS system, it's so much easier to find some place in the old days where we had a map and tried to pull over the side of the road and look at it. Mm-hmm. And so now that we have this deep understanding and all these studies and, and 
so much research on, on different, how communication differs between men and women and how it impacts the workplace and the success of people's businesses and careers. Uh, that can be our GPS system. Mm-hmm. And so if, if women are open to receiving that, then the fact that they 